back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. And Golden State. Right to the hole. He ties the game at 98. has got 20 to lead the way for the Spurs. Got to make him make that chop at the outside. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See. And we return with another episode of Views from the Clutch. As always, we'd like to take a moment out to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you would like to join us, you could do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosted on. You can also reach us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Just like that, we're back. Quarter season. Quarter season is officially passed. If you didn't check out our quarter season podcast, please take the time out to go out and check it, even if it's just to see what we had to say about your favorite team. Skim a little, you know, give us some feedback. Also, as always, if you'd like to join us on the podcast, we do continue to have open invitations to those who can speak with eloquence about their basketball team or about the state of basketball in general. So if you would like to do that, of course, reach out to us, man. Um, I really don't know where to start. Last night I was watching the Lakers and talking about the Lakers, according to Charles Barkley, is not legal because, you know, the Lakers stink. So, I mean, is that he, we he, that's, be, whew, come on, let's the, be clear. Let's be clear. This season, so far, Barkley's not wrong. I, I can't debate their record, but saying that they stink right now, their record stinks, but how they're playing, they're not playing bad. They they they're just they're just one of those teams where, like I said, finishing at five hundred seems like their their ceiling. You know what I'm saying? Them having a forty one and forty one season because they just really don't have enough is where I'm I'm expecting them to to finish up. I don't want to, like I said, dedicate too much time to a team that's not leading their division. Is currently fourteenth in the playoff seating in their conference. Playoffs. Yeah, so we're not going to do that. Playoffs! But um, I will say that we can't get too excited about Boston after we were excited about Boston on the last podcast because they came out west and, you know what I'm saying? Tupac was right. It's different on the west coast. They went and had their rematch with the defending champs. Defending champs took them to the spin cycle. They went and had and, – and here's the thing that I also want to point out that we were accurate on. We spoke about the fact that we forecast a Golden State to be a championship contender. Their record doesn't currently support that, but they're trending upward. We forecasted that the Clippers, when healthy, would be in the race for a high playoff seed, possibly a championship contender. So we said Golden State and the Clippers would be two good teams in the West. Celtics couldn't beat them. But the caveat to this is that the Celtics are not their full selves. They've played six consecutive games without Al Horford, and they have not had a single season game with Robert Williams. So what's your takeaway on the Celtics, man? Um, I think, yeah, pretty much what you said. I mean, East Coast, they're good. You know, uh, West Coast, 
they got some holes. I mean, and again, but see, and the thing about it is too, which when you have kind of still a young team, I mean, they've had a lot of success in their youth. They've been you, to the finals, and they're playing like a team yeah. who wants to go back. Let's yes. just let's well, just yeah. But let's also point out the holes of, like, you know, and again, it seems like they've been clicking at the right time because they threw in a whole new coach and they're still clicking and still rolling. They've, they've taken steps in the right direction where a lot of teams that get to the finals for the first time, history has shown that there are teams that have setbacks where the Boston Jeez. Celtics have something that started the season could have derailed the entire season. With a, a and whole they've managed to stay the course and still and, be, and possibly be a better overall team record-wise than what they were last year. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. I mean, and the thing about it is they've implemented their offense. Not their just offense, offense but, is now currently the best-rated offense in the NBA. Yeah. They shoot a higher three-point percentage than any other team in the NBA and make more threes per game, I believe, than any other team in the NBA. So where they ended last season, regular season-wise, as being on a historical pace for defense, we both said that there's no way they can keep that pace this year with Robert Williams not being healthy and with Al Horford being in his 38th year. You know, Uh Al Horford Horford used to be on a layup line with Jesus. So, Uh you know. We're talking about, you know, a dinosaur fossil coming out there and still giving you quality minutes as a big. They're only big because they're uh, six and one with Blake Griffin starting. And if you saw that version of Blake Griffin that I saw last night out there on the court. Wow. I'm not I'm not mad if, you know, if 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 later on in the season he flourishes. They're going to have to test him for performance enhancing drugs at the way he was looking. I know he caught that alley-oop in Boston and, you know, people was hype, you know. Blake Griffin can go to the well every now and then and mm-hmm. cook up, cook up an, an uh, you know an impressive feat here and there. But consistency, I mean, the fact that Blake Griffin, who when he was evolving, started making threes, he couldn't even shoot no threes last night. Like it, I don't even know if he had his if his legs work. That's just how it looks. Mm-hmm. Right yeah, so, he's just he's he's he, he's definitely Asian dog years in a basketball he, he's court. He's a shell of himself in in many ways. But his veteran savvy definitely did, you know, rear his head a couple times during the game where he got involved in taking some timely charges or, you know, mucking up some plays because mm-hmm. L.A. was absolutely eating food down low. The Celtics had no answer for what the Lakers were able to do in the paint. I think the Lakers took twice as many free throws as the Celtics even attempted. That mm-hmm. game was a great game, and it really boiled down to who had energy to close it out. And unfortunately, the Lakers blew their clip. LeBron and um, I don't. Did you see the game? No, I wouldn't even waste my time. Okay, so I'll recap. So I'll recap. So Boston was pretty much up for the entirety of the game going into the fourth quarter. The Lakers had started to make a run, ending the third. They went on a run that was something like a twenty-seven to four type of run. They mm-hmm. wind up taking the lead, going up nine points before Boston reinserts their two key guys, Jalen Brown and and um. Jason Tatum. Now, mind you, uh-huh. they sat from, I think, like the two-minute mark of the third until like the seven, eight-minute mark of the fourth quarter, and then boys uh-huh. went to work. LeBron and AD never took a break because they were behind, trailing, going into the fourth quarter, 
and they were on the verge of a comeback going into the fourth quarter. And then when they got that momentum from the fourth quarter, the only thing they did do was take timeouts. But LeBron okay. and AD did not get any rest. So Jason Tatum hits a shot, which I'm pretty sure it probably went viral over LeBron to to go, oh to tie the game, yeah, yeah to yeah. tie the games to go light in work. overtime. Come on, that wasn't light work. He did him. He hit him with three camp moves. Exactly. Those are the, in those and out, are... in and out to a slow pullback to a dead leg spin back fadeaway. Yeah, yeah. you saying light work? That, that... Can you go out? <laughs> can you go outside as we create that light work? Can you go outside? I'm not. I'm not in the gym hey, every right. day. So it's not light work. That's I'm elite work. I'm in the work. gym every day. That's elite work. Listen, co- he hit the Kobe. I don't button. have a trainer. He hit no, the Kobe no, button. You. He hit the Kobe button. Wow! In LA, mm. in LA, he hit the. Remember Kobe's his idol. Mm-hmm. Remember all the no, Kobe facts. memes that oh, came facts. out. Remember all the Kobe memes that came out when he didn't show up in the fight. Anyway, back to it. So he hits that, wow. and they go to overtime. And that break in between the overtime, you know, they do the coaches huddle. Uh huh. AD never sat down. Yeah, because he wouldn't have been able to get up. He was hunched over on his hands on his knees for the entirety of the break between the fourth quarter and the, and the overtime. I knew there was no chance that they were going to be able to sustain any type of success if they had to give LeBron and AD the ball. So Westbrook says, you know what? <laughs> Y'all are tired. I got this. First few possessions, he had a couple of good points. You know what I mean? But after he took like a, a couple of shots that like, like, bro, what are you doing? The Celtics, them young lions and them young legs took over. And, you know, they, they, they spread their wings, flew away, and, and ran away with that game. I think they want to win about like eight. Point yeah, is. Yeah, in overtime. Point is, it, it, it's, it's a representation of a lot of things that are wrong with the Lakers as far as them not having personnel. And it's a representation of a lot of things that are right with the young Celtics. They have a team that's been there and has the experience mm-hmm. and savvy to know when to, I don't want to say turn it on, but when to put your players in position to succeed. Because L.A. show all the things that Darvin Ham has been putting in place for them. They are much improved defensively because the way that the Celtics was mollywopping over the first three quarters looked like domestic abuse. So for the Lakers, to, for, so for the, Lakers the Lakers to hunker down and, and fight back and clamp the Celtics for an extended period, that's a representation of what their potential could be. But they just, I'm telling you, the Lakers are going to have to find a way to make personnel moves. And one of them I'm going to mention before we go on to the rest of the NBA is be on the lookout for Terrence Ross to get moved. I don't know if the Lakers have the assets to acquire somebody like Terrence Ross based on salary or whatever his availability may be, but he's not going to be on Orlando much longer. Orlando's got way too much going on to keep him. And if they have anything left, in their GM with the incentive of actually making a, a, a profitable transaction off of having an asset, he's the one they're going to have to move. Before they start getting rid of that gluttony of guards, he's going to be the first piece to move. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and leave the Los Angeles Lakers and the Celtics road trip alone. The Celtics are on their way back to Boston, where I'm pretty sure they will continue to pretty much run neck and neck with Milwaukee until the season concludes. I haven't really been in tune with what's going on on the East Coast in regards to uh, your boys. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it to you. You can give me an idea. What, what's the current state of the Knicks? Uh, the Knicks are currently the sixth seed after after winning um, four straight. And they're up right now against um, Chicago, where the game is currently playing. But they're up six uh, in the third quarter. So the Knicks are, 
are uh, looking pretty good. And actually, in the, the four the, teams, the four teams, because remember, we when we last met, we we went yeah. over both the Lakers and and Knicks pending games. I don't remember who the Knicks played, but oh, I didn't I'll tell really you, they, against them. They so who were those four wins? Those four wins were they beat Cleveland by eleven. They beat Atlanta. They beat Atlanta by twenty five. Um, twenty four. Twenty four. We predicted they would beat Atlanta because that Atlanta's at um, home, right? No, that Atlanta. Yeah, that was in the Garden. Yes, right. We uh, predicted that they would win that game because there's blood they, on Trey Young's shoes. Yeah, they went. To, they went to Charlotte and won, and then also they beat. They beat the um, the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento's helped the skeleton. I think we did pick the Knicks to pretty much win most of those games. I don't think we picked um, against I think them. we picked I think we the Atlanta game we said was like a 50-50 game. But we said but, it was a rivalry game that if had, if New York won, we wouldn't be surprised because of the stakes involved every time Trey Young was yes, I agree. Um, totally agree. Cleveland, Cleveland, I know we did not pick them to beat Cleveland. We said yeah. they might be able to win, but I know we neither one of us convincingly or had a convincing argument. No, 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 of course not. Of course not. So so those are that's impressive. What can you say is causing? I mean, obviously, playing a team like Charlotte will get you healthy quick. But besides that, have you seen changes in the things that you pointed to that was part of why the next season wasn't going the way it could? Ha, well, ha, they, has has the defense attention? The defense, the defense, the defense was much better. Uh, there was definitely a couple of stats that talked about the Knicks in the in the last four games. They were um, the defenses was definitely a. Ten thousand, ten thousand percent better than the um what they had before in the past. Uh, it's one of those things where again with the Knicks, you're not one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you have. But then also, uh, Julius Randle. I mean, in those four games, he's been stepping up. I mean, he's been averaging um twenty eight points, uh, ten rebounds, three and a half assists. And the thing about it is, in that in that last game against Sacramento, he ended up getting two texts and, and um, getting ejected with um, still a whole fourth quarter. And I think he got ejected, I think, in the third quarter. Whereas he was already at like 27, 28 points a game. I mean, 28, 27, 28 points. So mm. it was it's one of those things. And then they said, um, the thing about it is, this is what they, this is what, uh, this is what happened for the last four games, which is, you know, it's kind of like you're looking at the team, the teams that they're playing, but the defensive rating was uh, very good. Holding the opponents to under 40, 45%. Uh, defensive rebounder was, you know, pretty high. And uh, also, you know, so that's, that's the thing. When they're, when they're playing, Locked in. They, when they're playing some defense, which Tom Thibodeau, you know, is known for, well, he's had, he's made his career about being a defensive coach. The Knicks have responded, and again, they've also tightened up their rotation, which a lot of fans was was upset about. Was they decided that Cam Cam Reddish and Derrick Rose is not part of the rotation anymore? So Cam Reddish is out of the rotation again. Yeah, he's out of the rotation. He's out of the rotation completely. They basically went down to um, a nine man roster and played some and been playing their youth. They've been what playing. Uh, so is Derrick Rose out of the rotation? Derrick Rose is out the rotation as well. Derrick mm-hmm. Rose is out the, the only they 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 got um their their young guy Deuce McBride, who's a young defender. They got him in the um, rotation, 
and they kept they basically kept it like a nine man rotation, even with Obi getting hurt. They have not um allowed Cam to get any playing time. Being that Obi got hurt, there's no nah, they left it as is. And I mean, you know, not to sound crazy, but in the last four games, it's been working for the Knicks. So. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing try, about coaching. Because... Exactly. That's what I was going to say. The thing about coaching is that you stay with what you think works because it's quote-unquote conventional wisdom and it winds up biting. So sometimes you got to step outside the box, even if it's going to make you uncomfortable, to give an infusion to your team. Because that's one thing we both don't give any type of room for slack with Tom Thibodeau. His ability to make adjustments not only to the game as a whole, but also to the roster. So for him to, I don't know, find a way through tinkering, well, that, that gives him some sort of credit. I mean, do you still feel like Tom Thibodeau is coaching for his future this season? Oh, no. Is this absolutely. a bust season? Okay, this I is a bust so. season. Oh, no, I believe so. I believe so. I believe so. I believe because the Knicks, when you look at not just what they have, but when you look at the, the fact that the East is not – there's no reason. Now that they have 10 teams and you have a playing game, there's no reason the Knicks should not be one of those 10 teams. And, again, you really want to make the top six team. But when you're coaching and you're looking at your roster, you just paid Jalen Brunson. You just gave R.J. Barrett that extension. You're basically buckling and saying, hey, it's not the players. And the next yeah. one to go in that, in that pecking order is the coach. So, oh, if, so the Knicks in Chicago are going at it right now, one point game. Well, yeah, I mean the fact that the Knicks just blew up. They were up at halftime by, um, I want to say they were up at half halftime by double digits. So they just blew that. They blew that lead, which yeah, is crazy. We've come to, I've come to understand that the NBA. I don't want to say no lead is safe, but that's really what it is. I mean, no lead seems to be safe in the NBA as long as you're not going into the fourth quarter down 40, you know? And mm. even that seems to be something that if you put it up against the right team, they can come back. So nowadays, a team holding the lead doesn't have the same the same intrinsic value as far as evaluating defense as it once did. It's almost like it's not a matter of do you hold the lead, it's a matter of when you get the lead, you know? Yeah, and exactly. It's about the timing. And, and also, not just the, the timing, but also the well, you know, the basketball is about the momentums, you know what I mean? Because sometimes in certain games, you can tell if this team gives up this lead, they're not going to ever get it back, you know, just because the way the momentum is swinging. And guys' attitudes towards that. And, and the ref sometimes assists with that, but also guys are looking at it like if they can't get an easy basket, then sometimes they kind of just look at it like, all right, we just chalk it up. And you see, that's why you see some guys sometimes trying to hoist shots that are, Further and further away, just hoping, almost like prayers, you know, unfortunately. But, you know, I think with not just the Knicks and kind of transition to other teams, but this is the period right now where a lot of teams are trying to figure out which direction they're going to go in because they're going to be – now so- or never for a tank time. Like, you, yeah, you want to get a jump You always got to dig your foot in and say, okay, what exactly what we're going to do and if we're going to try to make a run at the playoffs, then we're either going to have to reassess our rosters and tighten up or start trading people 
Because, again, like you said, there are going to be certain teams that are looking at it like, hey, you know what? Come come January 1st, not only you're going to, not just going to be a new year, but for some of you guys, it's going to be a new team. So, you know, that's that's one of the things. That's the reality of how the season's playing. Yes, there's a lot of teams like you literally. Available for the playoffs, but yeah, there are not that many teams that are competing for a championship. And this is something yeah. that we spoke to was going to be the trend for the season so i do want to you know like delve into that and get your take on on specifically that so as i run through some of these teams and their records i want you to give me just in two words are we are we are we going for it on on fourth down or are we punting so starting with the number 10 seed in the east the miami heat are they going for it on fourth down or are they punting uh, Miami. Um, I think. Let me say this. I don't know if Miami will punt. Okay, but I think they should. Exactly. I wanted to. I wanted to give you that option. Tell so me what you think they should do. Do you think, I think they, they should punt? I think they should punt. I think. I think what they have. I mean, you can never really count Miami out, but I really don't feel like Miami's going to give you. They've already given you all they got, and I don't I, know. I don't agree. I don't think that that's. I think all they got we've seen is not enough, and I don't I feel like those guys Miami are turning back to on. Go for it, but I think with where they are, they don't have a choice. That team, that franchise, that city, not allowed to punt, and I just think that's the catch twenty two. What they have, they may just wind up having a bad season, but it won't be for a lack of trying, if you will. They just won't be, quote-unquote, as good as they have been these past few years while other teams are kind of catching up to the way they played and they're able to surpass it. Toronto, at number 9, 13, and 14. Do you think they should punt, or do you think they should go for it? Um, Toronto. I think Toronto – see, Toronto to me is not going to be – I think they should punt, but I feel like they've already punted. So I feel like they're going to – because if you look at their roster, it's a, it's a it's a bunch of guys that when you look around, they're all relatively young. Like the oldest player on the team is what I mean, old rotational player is probably what Siakam. You know what I mean? Like he's probably one of the longest tenured players on the team, at least. Him and Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet are relatively young, so I don't see them giving up that roster. I just feel like. They're gonna look at some of that those bench guys. They need say, a big. They need a big yeah. really bad. But they also need a, a solid third player. And I don't know if they have that on it's their gotta roster. It's gotta be a big. It's so no, I'm saying it might, it, and it might have to be. But I'm but then that turns around to who is the big then? They're going to have to acquire a big. The, yeah. the tallest player on their roster is a guy who I'm pretty sure up until did you know who Christian Coloco is? I never even heard of that dude. He went to Arizona. He's 22 years old. He's seven feet tall and 230 pounds. That is the tallest player on Toronto's roster. Okay, but hold on. Is he playing? I didn't even want to go into that because he's not. Siakam starts at the five. That's what I'm saying. So you got You have to be mindful of that. The like, oldest player on their team, though, is Kim Birch. He's a center at 6'9", who went to UNLV. I heard his name, but I'm not I really see, familiar I with think, his game. I think he went... I remember him playing one time, I think, for Orlando. Thaddeus Young player. is also on that team. He's 34. Yeah, but um, I don't think Otto Fats Porter Jr. Anymore. is 29. Oh, yeah, man. Siakam is 28. 
Okay. My man, that's your nephew. Nah, that ain't nobody. Oh, what are you talking they, about? They got you. He had, from he had you. They gave you. See, he's the one who had had you with season tickets to all the Washington Wizards games, and now you all of a sudden don't Negative. know who he is. Nah. Nephew Porter, don't do that, bro. That was your man. Y'all, y'all look alike, man. I don't look like no auto porter. I'm way too dark for that. We're not doing that. If you had said Pascal or somebody like that, might be related to me. Nah. Um, yo, these good. dudes that they have on their team, and by the way, um, Siakam is 28, Van Vliet is 28. So their core is mid aged. No, their core these is, guys are in their prime. Core are, yeah, in their prime ages. But, um, but again, I don't see how they have, when you look at their team, though, okay, they, they have a very good mediocre team, right? They might mm-hmm. be able to surprise you but in the playoffs. They can win you. They can win two games in the playoffs. It should be a stretch to force a game seven, but you don't look at it like, oh, yeah, Toronto's going to be favorites to win a series against whoever they play. So Not that's, currently constructed. Absolutely. No, exactly. Not, even no, with man. rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes on their team, even with the potential, uh, not even the potential, but but how they have flashes. Like, let, let's just be real. OG Ananobi is a good player. He's a good two-way player, but he doesn't push the needle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Siakam, in the right situation we've seen, can be very, very valuable. That situation doesn't exist because he's now their best player. Siakam cannot be your best player and you can contend. No. Yeah, and you saw he, what it's like if he's your second best player or third best player. Right. If, if you're able to allow him to be a mismatch rather than the match, you, you can compete with him. But if he's going to be your primary guy, there's going to be some issues, which is what they've... Ex- so let's not get Toronto. Again, that's the number nine team currently in the East. I think the team that is the most interesting that's currently in contention for a playoff spot, because I've spoken about them at the beginning of the season, is Indiana. They're 14 and 14, currently sitting in the eighth spot. I think they're currently beating Golden State right now, as we speak. Uh, so they're likely to okay. be... Yeah, well, it's only about three, but oh god! The thing is, Indi- Indiana has remained competitive through it all. We, I, I want to say we, I thought that they would be more so on the lesser competitive side because they had mm. an opportunity to opt out and get from underneath that salary, especially with that possible trade with you know Miles Turner and Buddy Heal available to them. It looks like they're not going to go that route, and Rick Carlisle has again infused that franchise along with the, all the young talent with the will to compete. So I think mm-hmm. they're going to go for it. And mm. I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at them being somewhere in the conversation of competing for a playoff spot before the end of the season. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. What do you think? I mean, do you think I mean, Indiana, you think Indiana's going to punt? I mean, I thought they would have by now, so maybe it's some contract things that they're waiting on. I, I don't really see them. I mean, I think they're overachieving as currently constructed. Agreed. And I, I think that somebody has to finish from 7 to 10. And it's probably going to be them, but I just don't see that roster going anywhere. Like, yes, they have some young pieces, and they have that, their rookie coming off the bench who's playing phenomenal, actually. Yeah, Matura. But yeah, yeah, but but I don't see how um I don't see how that, that that's a uh a team that you're like, yeah, they could they could they could be a sleeper. You know what well, I mean? Like, listen, we we're not we're not so, projecting Indiana to be any type of 
com, com, you know, competitive for the, you know, the, the crown type of thing. But I think they're going to continue to keep fighting to be in playoff contention. I don't think that they're going to punt. Mm, okay. I don't think that I don't think that that team, that roster, that personality that they have is going to enable that. I think that their tank was what happened last season when Rick Carlisle was just kind of like, all right, we're going to figure it out, trace a bonus, move this, move that. I need to know who's a dog, who's not. I think they've kind of gotten an understanding of that, and now they're just going to kind of like let things play out so that they can restock and build around that young core that you spoke to with Halliburton, um, Maturin, um, Nemhard, who beat the Lakers. They, they've got, like you said, young pieces. It's just a matter of can they assemble that and build from it. I think that the fact that they play a style that allows them to stay in the game with almost any team in the NBA every night is going to lead them to continue to fight. They did complete the, the, their objective. They beat Golden State 125 to 119. Oh, wow. Moving up. So Atlanta. We know Atlanta. Let's not even go there. We know Atlanta's not allowed to punt. No, but okay. But I wonder what they're going to do with John Collins. I feel like there's something going on go, going on with John Collins. It's like because I is I, he benched? I don't know what's going on with him. I just don't. I, I just he was hurt. I don't. And it could be hurt, but it just seems like if Atlanta makes a trade, and I'm not saying they will, right? But I will not be surprised if John Collins is not somewhere else. But I just don't know what they're going to get in the value. But when I watch them, that's the thing. There's no market for John Collins. is an exciting player. And he's definitely somebody that you want to watch, but as an organization or as a back, and I don't want to do this to like, quote unquote, like take food out of his mouth and make it seem like I'm hating, but it's almost like you don't really know where to put him. Like, yeah, and he, does, he doesn't guard, are... he doesn't guard threes, but he's uh-huh. a small forward height because he's just a little bit over six eight. His uh-huh. bungees give people the idea that he's six, he's not six ten, uh-huh. he's just over six seven, six eight. He gets off the ground at a, at a level that, you know, he's one of those guys. He's one of those undersized fours that can fly. Well, I speak about all the time. But because he can't guard a, a, an interior position, he kind of leaves you, you know, in a quandary defensively. And, yeah, you've got um, Clint Capella behind him. But do you really need Clint Capella guarding two people? Because you know that, you know, and you've got Nate McMillan, who's a defensive-minded coach. So yeah. I, I can see what you're saying. I see that if there's going to be a move, I wouldn't be surprised if it's John Collins finally. Yeah, they, because you got your backcourt. You have your backcourt sewn. You're not moving that. You're not, you, you're, you're, you got the backcourt. You, you traded for that. Yeah, you traded for that. So you feel there's so much value in that backcourt that's current, that's there. So if anybody has to move, they're not going to move off Hunter because they feel like he has a lot of promise. Collins is the only one that has to go. And Trey Young, even with the back and forth that's been going on between him and Nate Millen, Nate McMillan, he, he's still considered a franchise cornerstone. He he's one of the most popular players in the NBA. Come on, let's see. He oh, that's not even, a yeah, starter in there. No. I mean, but honestly, they'll get rid of the coach before they get rid of Trey Young. Agreed. But I think that if Atlanta wanted to maximize value, you you wouldn't never. Mm-mm. I'm sorry. You give it a Trey Young, you're punching. And and again, I think that's what Atlanta should do. I don't think they will. We like I just said, they're not allowed to. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. They're forced to compete because of that fool's gold East Coast Eastern Conference Finals run. And Nate McMillan being at the forefront of it. So until as long as Nate McMillan is the coach, 
they can't they can't afford to punt. They're gonna always be in the face of trying to compete to get back to where they got luckily. Um yeah. The remaining five teams, we kind of know that they're not punting, so we can just kind of leave them alone. We know the Sixers no. are in it to the death. We know that the Nets are trending upward like we spoke to. Yeah. The Cavaliers are not going anywhere. I mm-hmm. don't know if they're going to be able to get back into that top two. I think those top two seeds in the East injuries, barring, I don't think anybody's really going to be able to get much traction on Boston and Milwaukee. Well, yeah. I could, Honestly, I could see – to be honest, when I'm looking at these rosters and these lineups, the way these uh, – I could easily see the top five staying where they're at. And I feel like the Knicks and Atlanta will be interchangeable between that six and seven spot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the Knicks, the Knicks, the Pacers, and Atlanta and Toronto. Like, Because if you look at it now, the Knicks are ahead of Miami at the 10th seed by a game and a half. So, you know, I feel like those from six to ten, those teams are interchangeable. Like, I think one through five is going to pretty much stay. Obviously, barring injuries, because Philly always seems like Embiid gets hurt at some point. And, you know, I feel like that, yes, at some point that's going to be an issue. You know, but I don't really feel like, depending on when that happens in the season, I don't think they'll be so drastically like I don't see them dropping from five all the way to like twelve. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, like you said, they're, they're too invested. I see you again. Sorry. So I do see- we? So do we? So do we address? Um, because we we spoke about them before, and I know how much it makes like you know the air in your your house tastes different. That you even mentioned them, but. Do, do we speak on what's going on with Chicago and Minnesota, or are we just leaving that alone for now? Because we've spoken on it repeatedly. For what? Minnesota this, was a team. Okay. They're not going to do nothing. Okay. Minnesota should have been pointed. You're more in tune with, with, with our audience and, and where they come from and the team, so I just want to make sure that if Punt. we do that. Forget part. Right. Wave the white flag for Minnesota. I don't know what y'all doing. I don't know why y'all did what y'all did. But it already for y'all to be thirteen and fourteen when y'all made that trade for Rudy Gobert. But you and I laughed. How yes. is it possible? How is it possible that we are are we that removed from knowing about the sport that we could be that right, but so far from what they actually did? I mean, it's obvious that they weren't waiting like yo smart, yo, 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 C Grant, which I think we should do. You think we should trade? They didn't ask us. We weren't consulted. Because if we were consulted, we would have just started crying, laughing on the phone, like, are you crazy? We would have never let them do that. Because everything that they moved out is exactly what they need to make them a better functional team. It's just you didn't want Carl Anthony Towns to be the base of your defense. I don't know if the coach went to the front office and said, like, yo, we can't win if Carl Anthony Towns is my best interior defender. So then Make somebody else on the roster the same way the Celtics did with Robert Williams. He's 6'8". Mm-hmm. 6'8", flying all over the place playing goalie for the Celtics. Led to them having the number one defense. You got a big man who could do exactly what Al Horford does, but he's younger and more mobile. You had Jared Vanderbilt. You had Malik Beasley. You had pieces. But you moved them to get a bigger, slower guy who changes the entire way you play the sport. It's crazy. Chicago is just, I, I don't know. I'm a Billy Donovan supporter, but 
again, the way that team is constructed and the type of coach he is, I can understand why he's having difficulty with, with consistent, success, consistent success. Because, again, if Vucevic is your best option on the interior, offensively and defensively, it's going to hurt you. Because you don't want to run your offense through him. And if you do run your offense through him, then guys like DeRozan don't get off. Because it doesn't seem like they can run plays for DeRozan other than one where they give him the ball and allow him to find his way to the mid-range. Uh-huh. He, doesn't come, he doesn't come off curls, which is what Rip Hamilton did for a career as one of the better mid-range shooters in the league. He doesn't come off curls. He doesn't come off interior pin downs. He, he goes into dribble handoff post-ups. Like, their offense is just... <sighs> anyway, so moving west, since we've already decided that Chicago and, and we're not going to really speak on what Washington has got going. Shout out to Bobo, though. Shout out to Bobo and mm-hmm. shout out to the whole Orlando situation. Uh, we know what they're doing and we respect and them. Show, but they're showcasing their young talent in the right way to be like, hey, we're not going to win much games, but we're going to be exciting to watch because we've got all these young people and they come into play. They are a league pass top five team. If you have league pass and you are listening to us and you take us serious and you want to be entertained, find the magic on your calendar, lock in, enjoy the game. Enjoy the game. You're going to see something that you enjoy in that talent. Welcome back, Markel, folks. Good to see you healthy again. Always happy for a number one draft pick, getting the opportunity to, you know, restore some order or restore some faith or just, you know, touch pavement. You know what I mean? And be a part of, of the game that he loves. I'm a, I'm a Markel Fultz supporter. Hope to see Jonathan Isaac return. Hey, Lakers, if y'all can get my boy, uh, you know, T. Ross, make it happen. I'm about to go look at the contracts and, and see if I can give Jeannie Buss a call. But as we travel west, let's go ahead and deal with the other elephant in the room. The team that you said is number one in the west. All the Pelicans. Happen, bro. Yeah, and, happen, bro. And, that, and that happened with with Brandon Ingram not playing a lot of games, he's been out. So I mean, what has been what is happening is 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 Zion Williamson has been playing pretty much every game. I mean, he's only play he's only missed I think one game. Well, no, no, he's not missed more than one game. But yeah. I mean, but again, he's played twenty two games. So they've they're what eight? They played twenty seven. He's so he's only missed five. Mm-hmm. Which is not and so those bad. were early. Yeah, those were so, early, and one was a rest because of a back-to-back, and one yeah. was, you know, I forgot what the situation was, but it was like a they. It's been maintenance related. It hasn't been like he's been so hurt or physically unavailable that they couldn't put him out there. And again, I I warned you, I warned you, Seagram. I didn't project them to be top of the West. I don't think that they'll hold that water for the entirety of the season. Mm-hmm. But I told you the Pelicans would be better just because the addition alone of something like Zion. Yeah. With them being able to fight their way into the playoffs with that spirit that they have. Shout out to Alvarado. Mm-hmm. He, he, he has taken the hearts of all of the underdog fans in the league. If you cheer for underdog players, then Alvarado is somebody that oh, you watch course. play. Yes, big facts. Now, now that I've shaded you, let me go ahead and give you your praise. Because the team that I did not project to be top two is number two in the West, and that is your secondary favorite team, Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, just give them time. And I don't know know how they're doing it. It's not to say I haven't watched enough of them, because I've watched them, but I I know that Ja spins the wheel. 
I know that yeah. Ja is one of the best paint scorers in the league. Uh-huh. How they're getting it done, I know that they I know that they're fierce at home. Fierce. Yeah. Oh yeah. You you go into Memphis and it's, it's gonna be bloody for you. Um we know that those two teams are not punting. They are looking like they're primed to be the new face of the West and or, or the newest faces of the West. Because I still feel like this season is the season that even with them getting high seeds, they're going to have to deal with experienced veteran teams that can knock them off. Um, one of those teams in, in particular is the Clippers. Have you had any eyes on the Clippers since Kawhi has returned? Because, you know, Kawhi's best game just happened a couple nights ago. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers to me are always going to be Excuse me. Sorry. Damn. Some of these things just boring me. Yeah, exactly. I think what it is, too, is the fact that watching the Clippers, to me, the Clippers have always been a team that it's it's a bad it's 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 a team full of damaged goods. But in that, even though some of them are damaged, they were good at one point. So they're gonna show you flashes of being good. And but can they put it all together when you really need it to be? Because when you watch them with certain games, you're like, damn, okay, Clippers could be dangerous. But then over the course of the entire season, you're going to see Kawhi. Everybody's going to be working. It's almost like they're always working their way back from something, some type of injury. Guys are working their way back from Roy. Mm-hmm. He just came back. I think the Clippers' undoing is going to be the fact that outside of Zubac, if you can get Zubac off the floor, you can kind of beat them up down low. Oh, yeah, they don't really sure. have. They sure. don't really have an answer now. There's not many teams that can really take advantage of that, but there are teams that their personnel is going to make Zubac being on the floor hard for Los Angeles to do. Now, mind you, Zubac had a big game within the past week. He went off. It was like a 35 and seven, whatever the case. No, he had game. 29 rebounds that game. He only oh, fouled. Yeah, he he fouled out instead of because he had 30 points and. I think 31 points, 29 rebounds, and he fouled out, so he couldn't get that 30-30 game. Mm. I forgot so, who against that was. I think it was against one of your – oh, it was against your Denver Nuggets. Yeah. That was your, one of your favorite oh. your sleeper team. I don't see the Denver Nuggets as a sleeper team. I see them as the team that you're going to have to beat to get to the finals in the Western Conference, and they are perched perfectly where they need to be. Yeah, third seed is good. And they, and they, they could save it the whole time. All they have to do is hold serve, continue winning at the clip they have. Whoever goes past them only means that another team is going to move below them. And the two teams that are doing it, what are we looking at? We're looking at a conference led by the youth. We all know that uh-huh. that situations like that tend to be the young ones sprint out, get a big lead, only for the veteran teams to you know figure themselves out and put themselves in position to knock them off when the time comes. I don't think Golden State is going to bounce back. Golden State is going to be a team that probably is finishing six, seven, eight games above 500 with how they're playing. Uh-huh. Now, mind you, they could rip off 10 in a row and immediately be 10 games over 500. Even but, still, but 10 also, games over 500 may not be enough to put them in the top portion of the West. Well, and the sad part about it is it's going to have to come to even in that record out somewhat on the road. Because they're like completely opposite, like day and night. At mm-hmm. home, they're like. They're 12 and 2 at yeah. home. And, and they're like 13. two. 
That's what I'm saying. So literally, literally, almost exactly opposite teams. Yeah, which is crazy because you think because a team like that, a team like that is not going to be a team when you're not winning on the road. It doesn't bode well for you in the playoffs if you don't have home court advantage. So that road record does need to reflect that they have the ability to win on the road soon. Soon. Yeah. But again, the situations that we spoke of or that I brought up in the East as far as teams deciding to punt and pass, I don't think those real situations are – I think outside of Oklahoma City, who's just kind of like, we do whatever we want. Uh We try to win. We got SGA. We're going to let him have whatever fun he has. We know that he single-handedly can't take us out of the lottery. So they're okay with however they land. San Antonio, we saw they had fun at the beginning of the season, you know, with their early standings in the playoff race. They punted. Houston, uh-huh. they never got on the field. <laughs> oh, you already all, spoken all, about – Quick, quick thing, spoke, man. No, RIP to Paul Silas. Yeah, RIP Paul Silas. You know, because his son, his son is the coach for the Rockets. Correct. That's Steven Silas. So that's why Correct. I wanted and to – um, And Paul Silas was an NBA trailblazer. He was also LeBron's first ever coach in, in the NBA on the mm-hmm. Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, that's not his steadfast uh, achievement. You know, he was a multiple-time All-Star, great defender. And he's a uh, three-time – I think he was a three-time world champion with the Celtics, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I Back think he then. was also a part of that that phenomenal historic game, that triple overtime game with Phoenix and um, Boston played. Uh, so, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, that was a little bit before my time, but yeah, no, nah, definitely. Yeah, it was before my time too, but I just know that. <clears throat> let me see the uh, triple overtime. Yeah, so no, but like I said, you know, condolences to him and his family, to you know, the Silas family, and to the NBA uh, people that actually know, you know, that the players that played for him, coaches that coached under him, all that good stuff. You know, uh, he was definitely a. Um, you know, he'll be missed. You know, a basket, good, ba- a great basketball mind. Yeah, know, it was the that. top. It was a top moment. It was a triple overtime finals thriller between the Suns and the Celtics in 1976. Neither one of us were born, mm-hmm. but that's why I just wanted to make sure I mentioned it because like, he made a shot that they always show on, like, you know, like top ten highlight reels or like when the NBA has a flash moment in between a game, you see Paul Silas making that shot as a member of the Celtics. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes, definitely rest in peace to him. Condolences to his family, definitely to his son, who's continuing the tradition of, you know, having an influence on young men in the NBA, coaching them to be the best of their ability. I do think that the Rockets will eventually, you know, be in a better place as a franchise. I don't really like to speak on them because I just feel like they're out there having fun. So I don't want to take away from that element of what they're doing. I find Jalen Green to be very entertaining. Um, Kevin Porter Jr., I think he he's just hilarious. Like, that team – like I said, it's hard for me to take them seriously, even though basketball is not a joking sport. But you just know that their backcourt is just like, it's a fun thing they got going on there. You, uh-huh. know, you got Kenya Martin Jr. there, who is like a six foot four power forward. They're just having fun, man. They're just having fun. But back to the whole Western Conference race, um, we spoke on it, or I spoke on it last week, or last time we, 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 we parted. Utah is just kind of like coasting now. So mm-hmm. I think they're, they're going to remain in that conversation because they're just not a bad team. Yeah, and they, somebody has to fill those 10, 10 spots. So I think they're going to – I don't think it's a matter of them punting or – I just think they're just playing it out. Um, Dallas? But I can see them making a couple – I can see if if 
if they go on a losing streak and the right team calls to Jordan Clarkson, I can see them moving him. But I, I don't. I can I don't, see. I can see Clarkson, Conley. Mm-hmm. Um, Olenek is a is a Danny Ainge guy. He loves him. Yeah. Um, yeah. They traded for Markinen, so he's not going anywhere. That's that's their new oh, no, he's not cornerstone. There. You know, you got a blonde haired seven foot guy in Utah. They can play multiple positions. He, yeah, he's no. prime. He he's prime for success. We can, we'll just say mm-hmm. that he's in a yeah. position where where he, it's looking real opportunistic for him. He's finally getting his opportunity, and I'm happy for him because I've I've been a Laurie Marketing supporter. It's just the right context under him being successful doesn't necessarily point to the whole entire team. So they can build around him and try and figure that out. <coughs> Dallas. So uh, did Kimball Walker even play? Because the last time we spoke, I, I spoke, you know, like with hype that like, you know, maybe Kimball could have an impact. Has he even got any minutes yet? No. I, well, let me say this. Not that I, I'm aware of. Last I heard, Kimball was going into the um, – to the G League to kind of get some reps, you know, to get kind of get, you know, to get it, get, get, so he can participate to become, you know, get, get his game speed and stuff back to where it's supposed to be. But I'll be honest with you, I have not. So far, he's played one game. He played 20 minutes. He uh, scored eight points, had five assists. And that was against Chicago when they got the doors blown off of them, 144 to 115. That was on Saturday, four days ago. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all. They're but he another... sat out that game. Donkic didn't play that game against the Bulls. So, uh, oh, okay. so we, we shall see. We'll have to chart that and see where it actually plays out for them. But Dallas is in a, is in a real sticky situation. They went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Um, uh-huh. Fluke season, where yeah. they got hot during the playoffs. So let's not even pretend like, you know, they were truly one of the best two teams in the West. Neither one of us believe that. They just happened to play themselves in a good position. I feel like with the aftermath of what's happened with Brunson leaving, even with Luka having the season that he's having, it might be more beneficial to, for for Dallas to find some draft picks or something. They need more assets. What they have is not enough. They do. I feel like they do on Luca the same way they did Dirk, like in in a lesser degree. Like, is is Dirk had it better because he had he did have a couple of role players that you know he was getting fifty wins, but I don't see the Mavericks the way they're currently constructed getting close to fifty wins like. So I feel like, and they got a bunch of players. Honestly, got a bunch of players nobody wants. Like I'm not going for what's his name, Josh Powell. I'm not going for Klebla. I'm not going for Finley um, Smith. Finley Smith. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm good. I've seen that movie already. Like uh, Reggie Bullock. Nah. Um, <laughs> some other players. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm, nah, his value is like mm, I'm good. Like you know what I mean. Like so, of those, of those guys, Spencer is the one I favor the most. You know, I'm a Dinwiddie supporter. Yeah, I mean, Christian. Yeah, Christian Wood just got there, and I feel like the fact that he's not starting to me, I feel like that's a whole 
different setup that I wasn't expecting. I mean, correct. <clears throat> I mean, I think you had. I guess they're looking at if we bring him off the bench, we have some production off the bench, right? And but they don't still... even have a style that supports him being on the bench, productive, like, or or even having a significant role. Like, one thing I will say because I have been watching a lot of the breakdowns on how Dallas Dallas switched their whole offense when. When Carlisle was there, they were doing a lot of Spain pick and roll, a lot of what Luca knows how to do, we'll just bring it to the NBA so that he's comfortable style offense. And that's what got mm-hmm. that's what got Porzingis out of there because Porzingis didn't fit the mold. He's not a rolling mm-hmm. downhill big man who can catch lobs, which is what you need in the Spain pick and roll. Or so he could do the popping, but he couldn't do he couldn't do the rolling. And then I was like, look, we're not going to be posting up Porzingis because the post-up is the least efficient play in basketball. Dallas leads the league in post-ups. And who was the league's leader in post-ups? Luka Doncic. Oh, Luka, yeah, no. yeah. Oh, and post right – no, no, post – I'm sorry. I thought you meant interior scoring. My bad, my so bad. You said Dallas post-ups. totally done a 180 on their identity from one coach to now what Jason Kidd is doing. But the results haven't panned out to a better record. So, yeah. like you said, and like I'm saying, I think Dallas needs to find a way to acquire assets. The problem is what they have available doesn't seem like it can garner much of a return. So, I don't see them being able to swing something in the trade market to improve. Uh-uh. But something's on that roster is going to change or need to change for them to have any type of semblance of being competitive. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump forward to the remaining teams in the West. Um we both said that we don't know what the hell is going on in Portland. They just kind of like playing basketball and, and, yeah, and then, working right now. And it's, it's working for them because they got, they got Grant. And I wish I wish I actually wish what well, they had they had to do Simmons, but I always felt like I wish Grant would have came to them before they got rid of CJ McCollum. But because, because maybe, maybe that's the threesome that you, or the, you know, the three core that you need that can propel you to competing. Yes. I agree also, Brian and then uh, Simons would have been getting better, so he would have been your sixth man, you know? Correct. Um, and he could have ran a, you know, a funky lineup because Nurkic is never going to be 100%. So that, that don't even... We're not even worried about that, dude. Who? But Nurkic, you know, that big man. Yusuf Nurkic... For the the screensaver for, for LeBron's first game? As yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, man. Um, But, yeah, so either way, they are performing. The guy, the guy, the guy that Denver traded away and yeah. laughed because yeah. they, had, they had Jokic? Exactly. That, that nurtured guy? Okay, cool. We're making sure we talk about the same guy. And who, who, who Portland said, yeah, start in center. You. Yeah. No, of course, but um, yeah, Portland, Portland. As long as Dame comes along and those guys, they also sometimes, in my opinion, it's, shout it, out they, to that game that they had recently where Portland and Denver went at it at the buzzer and Jamal Murray came out victorious. That was yeah, that was game. crazy. Yeah, because Dame, Dame thought it was thought it was game, game time. time, which which rightfully so. I mean, so yeah, he get he normally when he hits that shot, it's curtains for the other team, but. It was uh, not the case. And this I is mean, why I say don't take Denver out of your conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, please, when the time comes, I'll be more than happy 
to, I won't be happy, but I'll be more than willing to accept the crow that I would have to eat if Denver doesn't wind up making a, a run in the playoffs. But, but you said Western Conference Finals. Right, right. Okay. But if so they don't even it. make a run, yeah, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, if they yeah, even make a up. run, I'm already down. But facts, facts. But if they make it to the West Conference Finals, I'm not going to brag and boast. I don't need to. It just validates something that I should be right about because I put my put my leg out there. The only thing I'm hedged on now is that I gave Elijah the belief that you know Golden State might make it back to the Western Conference. I don't know, man. I don't know. And like you said, it has a lot to do with how they play on the road. If they can't sustain how they play when they travel, I can't put stock in them getting back to the Western Conference Finals. So that leaves it open. And that gives you an opportunity to see a New Orleans-Denver, Memphis-Denver. Because Phoenix is not going back to the Western Conference Finals. That's what I wanted to get to, but I I didn't want to overstep how much time we had left to get there. Are you sold... Have, have have you have you are are you do you have any more tickets for the Phoenix Bucks? Oh no, it's a wrap for them. In my opinion, that's a team that I feel they need to punt. But I feel like they've got CP3 under that contract for so long that they're looking at it like, you know what? Let's just let's just have, let's just be competitive. Let's you know let's 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 fool our fans. Said at the beginning of the season that something I said. Maybe you didn't say it, but you didn't stop me from saying it. Something's broken in Phoenix. It had a lot to do with how they went out to Dallas, how they looked going out to Dallas, how they went out the year before to Giannis, and then what happened with all of the contracts and people getting moved around. So Jay Crowder, still don't have a team, asked to be traded at the beginning of the season. They're basically making him sit at home. Jay Crowder was a glue guy. They Uh elevated Cam Johnson. CP3 got an extension. And then they went out and did what they did to DeAndre Ayton. Uh-huh. All the while, putting no pressure on Devin Booker to become a better defender by allowing Miles Bridges, I'm not Miles Bridges, but Miles, what's his last name, man? Bridges, Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges, by allowing Mikel Bridges to remain in the starting lineup and be your, your, your primary defensive stopper on wing guys uh-huh. when you need two. You can't have just one, you need two. So your second guy, like that's the thing that makes Boston so deadly. Both Jason, both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown defend. When your wings defend, you, 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 can, you can play. So Devin uh-huh. Booker can keep you in a game, but Devin Booker can also lose you a game because he can't guard nobody. So you're hiding him, and now you're hiding CP3 because CP3 is no longer a high-value defender. DeAndre Ayton is not a rim-protecting big. He's just a guy who can grab rebounds. But he's not a true, you know, like, stalwart in the paint. Phoenix is broken, man. They are broken. And what happened and the emotions that they're showing only point to it showing that there's a fragility there that it's just a matter of time. When Zion hit them with the almost vents to close out the game, and then two days later, they beat him again, Phoenix is just a team that's got an answer to a lot. By the time, if they were to get to the finals again, you know how many people they'll have proved wrong? I just don't see it, man. I can't get behind Phoenix, man. I can't. I, I don't have anything like, you know how like there's a ray of hope? I, I, don't, I, I Could you project a ray of hope that would allow you to say, all right, I'm going to go buy me a Phoenix Suns ticket because there's a chance? 
Uh, what, what would you have to see? The t- I got to see who the opponent is. I might buy a ticket for, to see them Phoenix play the other team. Wow. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't put that much stock in them because again, I feel like Chris Paul's the X factor, right? But I always feel like X factor. What? How's he? No, I know, no, but I'm, no, I'm just. I, I'm just using that word. Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like he's going to. I just don't feel like those guys. They don't have anything left in the tank. I don't feel like. I feel like you've seen Phoenix already, and nobody to me, from what I can see, and I have not watched every single game, but I don't feel like any one of those players. It seems like every year somebody gets better, and I feel like Phoenix has stayed the same. So, Miles, so Mikael Bridges has gotten has improved this year. I don't want to take away from him. that's why I mentioned him. He has improved. He's become a better shooter. I mean, he's never going to be a primary scorer level player, but he mm-hmm. has improved offensively. DeAndre Aiden hasn't. De- DeAndre Aiden seems like he hasn't gotten much better. You know, what I mean, he's still. And, and is that is that on him or is that the fact that they're running the same exact offense where he's? But that's my action. point. So you're not even giving him a chance. So if you ever need him, because, you know, our playoff series are your, mm-hmm. your all-stars or potential stars should always get you one game, right? But you're not Agreed. getting that. You're not getting that from those guys. And Aiden because is not going to be able to get you. I don't think Aiden can get you a game. So I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm, I just don't feel like... I feel like that team really. I feel like they're fool's gold. Like I feel like that's, a, that's a that's a great analogy. I've spoken to that too, and and I don't think you're wrong. I do sincerely believe that Phoenix has the talent to remain a upper echelon competitive team in the West. I just don't feel like they have the makeup to actually complete that objective. So they can they can hang with the big boys. They have the talent to play with the big boys. But the big boys always send them home. And I don't know if there's one particular thing you can point to, but Dallas smelled it. Dallas smelled it, and, and they stomped it out last playoffs. And now you're seeing teams like the Pelicans, who remember – you remember, did you hear what Zion said, why he did the 360? No, tell me why. Zion said, I did the 360 at the end of that game because I was in a locker room when Phoenix beat us, and I saw what they did to my brothers. It's a wrap. Yeah, it's a wrap. A, 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 a better, a, a better, a, a more in shape Zion is a dangerous. And yeah, he they, actually told y'all it's yes. up for y'all. Yeah, and the sad part about so it you is you can't read between the lines of what he's saying, but you picked it up immediately because we've been in that locker room. And when you've been in a situation where you've ate that plate, when you eat that plate of mushrooms and, and, and liver, you don't ever want that again. Ever. Uh-uh. So every time you see them people who serve you that plate. It's on, yeah, it's on site. And he's letting them know it's up for y'all. So he let yeah. y'all know it's up for y'all. Did a 360 dunk. Y'all got mad. Teams had to be separated. Go to your separate lockers. Y'all, y'all spoke with y'all, spoke to the reporters. Y'all played again and lost. So y'all didn't set no precedent. Y'all didn't say, young man, sit down. Your time is uh-huh. coming. It's up. It's up. It's up. If Phoenix got to play New Orleans, it's a sweep I'm picking. And that's not even me saying 
it's not me even saying that like I don't like Phoenix because I do. I just don't like or trust or have any faith in their ability to close. Uh-huh. It's up for them, man. It's up. And, and it's unfortunate because that's going to be the story of that man's career, CP3. He'll get you there, but he can't he can't he can't keep the door open. He can't keep the door uh-huh. open. Uh-huh. And it's just and it's just like that for some guys. You know? Yeah. No, no, I don't see the CP3 experiment is is it's a wrap. He got his money. I mean, he he's always going to be. He's see that's the thing. This is this is the very one thing about teams. When you see teams or certain players, once you start getting those knickknack injuries, the older you get, the more you're going to have. It's not like your body gets to be 100 percent healthy. So you're really going to be playing the game at 75 percent. So when you think you're 100 percent healthy, that's really you're only really 75 percent to be able to play. When you these got yeah, you just feel like, oh, no, what it is is like the injury has moved to some somewhere else. Oh, it's no longer my hand. It's it's my ankle, but I can play through that. And the rea- the harsh reality is you stuck because you'll never get that back. You'll never get the ankle back. You'll never get that. And if the ankle starts working, then you'll get the hand. And then if something else starts happening, you'll get something else. So you'll never get what you're, where you're supposed to get it. You never get what you're supposed to say. What in the hell is Julius Randle? Damn. The Knicks. Uh, Julius Randle just airballed a game-winning shot, but um, let's see what happened. It's, I think it's going into overtime. Yeah, Maybe not. That 117 is what I'm reading. I'm not able to. Yeah, but I think they added they added a second left one o'clock, I think. So we'll see what happens. It's in Chicago. That makes sense. Yeah. So uh, either way. Trying to find, I, they all try to find a way to make Chicago beat the Knicks. Yeah, I noticed that. So, but again, I think the um, the problem with the actual situation in Phoenix is you got a, your 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 best player because Devin yes Devin Booker offensively is your best player right but Devin Booker has never had a win record without CP three so he doesn't really know how to he's not that not necessarily yeah he's not he doesn't know how to win when they're going to need it without CP3. So by him not being able to know what that's like, I feel like as good as he is, he's never going to he's never going to be able to put a two game, two games strong games on in a row where he's just I think elite. he I think he can be and I think he's proven it. I don't want to detriment him because Devin Booker had a 51 point game already this season. Devin Booker is subject to detonating at any time and going off. But he's also one of those empty – listen. Empty calories. Empty calories because, remember, Kobe scored 81 and they won. Kobe, yeah. Kobe scored 66 and they won. Mm-hmm. When, when Devin had 70, did they even beat Boston that game? No, no of course not. They might have lost. Oh, they did. They did. They didn't win. So – when you, so it goes back to and they might and even you, if they even if they won it was the season was already over. Listen, we know that that was no Chris Paul in that team, so that definitely the season was over. Point the point is is I'm just trying to reinforce and hammer down what what, what you spoke to and, and reinforce it. He there's empty calories and what Devin Booker can bring if the rest of the team can't go along for the ride. Is that a, is that a good way of putting it? If, mm-hmm. if the rest of the team can't 
towed a boat with him, that he'll just be a valiant loser. And he wasn't even a valiant loser when they lost to Dallas because Luka got in his head and he's probably still seeing the viral Beyonce dance in his head with Luka doing it. We're going to get up up tonight because Luka was dancing. Mm-mm. And again, like I've spoken to and like you agree with, there's no way to wash that memory clear until you do what, see? Because remember, they lost a chip and now they lost in the what? The Western Conference? Mm-hmm. No, no, that yeah. wasn't the Western Conference Finals. That was the that was the semis. They lost in the Western Conference semis because Dallas proceeded to lose to Golden State. So you go from the finals to the second round of the of the playoffs to now. I think it's too much. We spending too much time on Phoenix because Phoenix is not gonna get Phoenix. Okay. It's too many things that have to happen for us to say, oh wow, Phoenix, they shocked me and they actually did it. This is you know what I'm saying? Like they're gonna have it's not gonna Phoenix happen. Is that. A, Phoenix is a show it show show improved team. Until further notice, Phoenix is in the show improved category. We which is something that we never back down from, but I feel like we need to give our just due on why we say that so that when people follow up, like, yo, y'all don't talk about Phoenix. Phoenix, they got to earn it, man. And there's not really much they can do in the regular season to earn that warranted. Like, when, when we're having a finals preview and we're talking about Phoenix's back, we're going to have a lot of backpedaling and apologizing. And, well, they finally did it to talk about then. But for now, the, the pudding is getting cooked. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're gonna leave it when it comes to to, to Phoenix and the, and the Western Conference. Shout out to the Pelicans for for that early rise. Do you think the Pelicans finish the season in the top two in the West? Do you, mm. do you see them being able to sustain Mm-mm. what they what they're doing? No. Okay. You see Memphis staying in the top two though. You picked them, so I'm I'm expecting that Memphis is gonna be a top. Yeah, two team. but see, that's but my thing is okay. This is what I'm getting from Memphis, right? I feel like Memphis needs to make the trade for a third consistent score, whether that's a a forward or I mean, well, it's got to be a forward either way you slice it. Got to be a three or a four. They got to, in my opinion, I feel like they need that. Like I think, which it didn't happen, but I think they should have they should have went after Christian Wood, or they should have went to. Um, they still got. They still obviously still have time, but I don't. I feel like this is not gonna happen. But if they got like a guy like Bam Bam Adebayo, I feel like he He's would help. But I know that's what I'm saying. Put him on the same you can't, job you can't, because yeah, of those, that, those rules. Yes, those rules. Yes, yes. So, um, as I'm trying to think of another guy that could kind of and fit I don't, that I don't, void. And I don't see Bam moving that needle. I feel like what they've got with their ability to sub out Steven Jackson, I mean Steven Hunter. Steven Jackson? Steven, what? Steven, Hunter, Steven Adams. Steven Adams. When oh. you can <laughs> when you can sub out Steven Adams and put in those combination of forwards that they have, along with just throwing Jaron Jackson out there as an undersized five, you're fine. I think they need a wing. So they need a wing? Shoot. They need a wing that can shoot and defend. I mean, Bain gives you that, but he also doesn't because he's not consistent enough yet. He, he's no. proven that he's getting there, 
and maybe he develops. And I think that's why they're able to hold the water right now as a second seed because he's been so good so far. But I don't think you want to hedge on that. So that's where I'm at with Memphis. It's like, I know that they're really good, but I don't know if they're so good that the pieces are going to hold up. So they need a three. Okay. And I'm looking at the different rosters and I don't see, I don't see any roster. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't, you can't, they can't go after, like you can't go after Zach Levine because he's not really a three. Maybe he's a two. Uh, just going to be a conflict with Bane. That's what I'm saying. And you're not going to put the, DeMar Rosen at the three. You don't, I mean, you don't bring DeMar because, well, because he doesn't stretch the floor. And he, changed, and he also, yeah, exactly. He tilts your offense in a way that you really don't need. You just can't offset. So a guy, a guy who, a guy who would move the needle plays in Portland. The guy you're talking about. If you put, you about Grant? You, yeah, if you put Grant. In Memphis? Oh, he fits that. He fits that scope. But you can't because obviously but they're not. Portland's not getting rid of. Not him. available. Yeah, I, I was just saying, but that's yeah, the type yeah. of player we're talking about that that would would fit. So you. Unless so now that we've got ask, a template guy. Unless you unless you try to go get. Unless you try to get Toronto. Do you to go get Bo- Do you go get Bogdanovich from the Pistons? Just so that you yeah, four space and shooter. Yeah. You that's 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 who I would I would get because he's he's gonna he's not gonna cost you much to go get him. He's not gonna cost you much. Now now Detroit might hold off on him because they'll feel like they can get somebody else to go bring they, him. They're gonna try and get talent for him. Yeah. They're gonna try and get young talent. And you know Memphis is running out of young talent now. Yeah. Because Memphis has a to me, Memphis is they're a Miami. Like they're gonna play extremely hard and surprise you. And they have enough players and they have enough of a belief system that they can actually win. But they don't have they don't have the talent. Because when you look at their roster, it's like this is not a talented roster. They just got a bunch of guys that play hungry. They don't overwhelm you with names, they overwhelm you with effort. Yes. And that's what and that's what Miami does. And one really damn good unstoppable force in Ja. ja. Yes. Fair assessment. So I agree with that. And I don't see any other. I don't see any other teams. Honestly, the more I look at this, but I, I think I think we're onto something. Mm-hmm. You have to have a guy who contrasts what Ja does. Ja is infectious at getting into the paint and scoring. He's one of the best paint scorers in the league, even as a point guard. Yeah. You don't want him to stop what he's doing, so you need to keep the paint available to him. The only way you can do that. A shooter mm-hmm. or a wing scorer. Now, if you go and get Bogdanovich from the Pistons, you're 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 accepting that your defense may drop a little while he's on the floor. So you probably contrast Bogdanovich being on the floor with, you know, a, a defender that can that can help make up for for what he's not going to do. But that trade off is necessary in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's necessary in the playoffs when you are doing these offensive defense lineups where a five minute run could take you out of a series. Yeah. So we, but we spoke to the fact that the guys like Bob Jonovich and a few others, they're not going to stay home. They're not going to stay on the team that they're on for the remainder of the season. Uh, I see. I see Bob Jonovich having a lot of fun in Detroit, but he wants to win. So I, I think that they'll find a taker for him will will arise. I think Memphis would be a good place for him to go. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like 
Clarkson's not going to help Memphis. He's too. I need the ballish. Yeah, he's too erratic. To get his basket. Like he's not going to come off pin downs where Ja could just like you know hold the ball for two seconds, wait for him to come off a curl, pass it to him, and he's going to shoot. He's somebody who he's going to come off a pick, pass the ball, and you know he's going to wave his hand, do a couple of fancy dribble. You know, there's going to be some more sauce to it. Can he mm-hmm. score in those quick hitter plays? Yeah, he's always done that. But he also has a tendency to need that. You know, I got my groove. Let me cook to him that six men mm-hmm. like him need. Yeah. So I think the only non-ISO six man out there is Terrence Ross. And I don't know if Terrence Ross fits what they got going there. Because he's a gunner, but Terrence Ross, if he's not making shots, he's not defending either. But again, mm-hmm. we don't know if, if that's the version of Terrence Ross that we've been sold because he doesn't have that obligation in Orlando or if that's just who he is now. Because I feel like Terrence Ross has just kind of been comfortable. You know? Well, yeah, you don't know what you have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, who's going to make me go hard on a team where we're not even competing for the playoffs? So, yeah. you know, you get a different player when you, when you quote, unquote, liberate a guy or put a guy in a position where he's able to contend. Those are all some of the interesting bullet points that, you know, we hope you enjoyed us covering tonight as we wrap up this episode of Views from the Clutch. As always, we'd like to take a moment out to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. Before I do that, because I have a tendency to do this, I'd be ending the episode without – see, Granny, did I leave out anything? Is there anything else you want to cover before I wrap this up? No, nah, we're straight. All right. So, again, take this time out to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you would like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasts and platforms we're hosted on. You can reach us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. If y'all want to see another um, or hear another episode where we bring our other two brothers onto the podcast, please let us know. Um, I haven't had a chance to track the feedback, but from what I've heard from people who have listened, they enjoyed it very much. If you're one of those people, you can hit us up on Gmail or, like I said, on our social media account that views from the clutch on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok to tell us how you feel about that. As we get ready to wrap up the year 2022, I do have my light. I do have my camera in place. YouTube is coming real soon. So I'm looking forward to that. I just haven't figured out what jerseys I'm going to hang up on the wall or how I'm going to have the background for me. But I know C. Grant is waiting. So y'all be in the um, wings for that. And on that note, I'm going to say peace. Peace.